Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're going to be talking about starting out in youth ministry. Bobby and I will be chatting with the youth pastor in his first year about some of the problems he has faced getting into ministry and the learning he's done along the way. the first year that I I spent in paid youth ministry feeling really inadequate, feeling really confused, being asked a lot of questions by students, and being really intimidated by parents. Uh, There was one event, I remember my old boss walking up to me and asking (laughs) how I was doing. And I, I remember being like, I can't feel like my face. Like I, it was like I just was so in shock yeah. and overwhelmed. I, I think we're going to be talking about some of those some of those questions today, and we're pretty excited because I think a lot of people can relate to that first year, the first two years mm-hmm. in, in youth ministry. Yeah, definitely. Well, today we're really excited to talk with our guest Nathan Mann. Nathan is the minister of youth and young adults at First Baptist Church in Aurora. Illinois, and he is currently finishing a ministry leadership program at Wheaton College Graduate School. So Nathan, we're excited to have you on the show. Uh, Nathan was also a a good friend of mine. He was a student uh, of mine growing up and was one of our graduates in our regroup program and eventually became a leader in our regroup program and has done youth ministry and and volunteered in a ton of different ways uh, over the course of the times that that I was at church. So I know Nathan really well for a long time, and I've really enjoyed him. Um, It's been a huge privilege to get to know you, Nathan, and I'm so, so excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Nathan, it's great to have you here. We had uh, one of our other older students on the show last week, and it's just really cool to see how you guys have grown, and we're just excited to uh, hear your wisdom just from your your first year. So why don't you start out by just kind of sharing your experience of how you felt called to ministry originally? Yeah, so so for me, it... It all kind of it went back to being invited to start getting more involved at the church's high school ministry. But in the process, realizing that I had lots of kind of places of unresolved pain in my life. And that was actually what, you know, prompted me uh, an invitation from uh, Pastor Eric at the church to to start going to regroup and. And, you know, through that program of like uh, working through some of my own stuff in the process, you know, because it was in this community setting, I think I started uh, learning to empathize more with people and, you know, see them with Mm -hmm. compassion. And eventually, like I found myself like once I felt I had gone on, you know, something of a journey of healing I was able to start looking at other people and asking, well, how can I help them out? And it it was kind of like a seamless process of just like realizing that that compassion was developing in me and where Mm -hmm. I was starting to notice people's stories more and pay closer attention to them. And and so from there, I I started leaning into this idea. There's an author named Henry Nowen, and he has this idea Mm -hmm. of being a wounded healer where Mm -hmm. where you, you know, you take your own story and use it as the basis for trying to help other people. And so I think through that whole 
uh, kind of discovery. I've realized that's what I love doing. And mm-hmm. I think that I, I see kind of the, what, what God's done in my own life and just how so many parts of my life have been mm-hmm. kind of redeemed and have helped others at this point. And mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you can you actually rewind us a little bit? We'll go we'll go forward from there in a second. But tell us a little bit about your journey through. Um, you've referenced your own healing. What what was it like? What were some of the, the challenges and uh, that you faced, and uh, what helped you overcome those challenges in high school that that led you to that point? Yeah, I would say the the big thing was uh, the realization that I had gone through as a young child a traumatic experience and the kind of the emotional weight of that catching up with me in high school rather than like it wasn't really something that was that directly you know part of what like I wasn't that directly affected by it until around freshman or sophomore year of high school and at that point though it was kind of this overwhelming thing of going now I have to you know, like high school is already a confusing enough time, but now I've got this mm-hmm. added on top of it. And now, you know, realizing like, oh, wow, this this makes me inclined towards depression. And it makes when it when I think about my faith in God, it makes me inclined towards doubt. And, you know, like realizing that that was the, the, the problem I discovered was that there was a lot, it was going to be a lot harder to keep moving forward as a Christian and really just as a like emotionally healthy person um, without some help. But I was like, so um, I, I think I felt a lot of like shame and confusion over it all. And so mm-hmm. it was hard to ask for that help. But uh, thankfully, I you know, I, I was able to just like kind of vaguely allude to some of the stuff uh, with Eric, who was my pastor at the time. And he gave me the invitation to come to regroup. And I think for me, the big thing was learning that there were people who could hear about like kind of the the, the deepest, darkest parts of my story and would still be there. And through those people, you know, that they, they were consistently telling me of God's love for me through Jesus and kind of this assurance that that faith in Christ, it's not something that's separate from those experiences, but actually that Jesus wants us to walk through those things with him. And I think for me, the big thing was having the space to do that because it, there were, you know, it was never a neat process because there you know there were always times where it felt like oh you know it's like two steps forward one step back or you know the or i mean even now there's times where i still find myself like revisiting some of those lessons from that time Mm. in high school and so i think the authenticity of it all was what ultimately helped Mm. me Mm. feel some sense of like freedom and healing was just that it was like there was no expectation of the the type of person I needed to look like by mm. the end of it, as much as the, the the realization that everybody's pain is in one sense unique to themselves, but in another mm. sense that we can that we all have a story. And yeah, so I, I would just say it was kind of this messy process, but ultimately I think it was a really healthy one where it accounted for just the complexity of, you know, all that I was experiencing. Yeah. 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 What I really appreciate, Nathan, about you is, is, yeah, just the fact that you're saying it's a messy process. I came through 
this healing in a difficult way. And then earlier in the conversation, you were talking about growing in compassion. And I think that growing in compassion is not a phrase you hear a lot, but when you talk about moving through messy situations and then being able to move through those situations with other people authentically, I think that's a really, really valuable thing to keep in mind is that's what compassion is, is entering into those situations and being willing to to walk in the midst of it with other people. And I mean, you experience that and then you've just continue to to grow in that and, and be that person for so many people. And that's just, it's so phenomenal just to hear your story again after after a couple of years and to see how far you've you've come. Yeah. What I love to hear in your story, Nathan, is is the authenticity of the way you share. It's like, it's still messy. It's still complex, but you're holding to the healing that you mm-hmm. experienced all those years ago. And it's led you to this point where now you're leading others through it. That's, it's really cool. If you could kind of recap, like what is what, what would you say like the one or, or yeah, like the one theme that, that you came out of that with? Like what is the one thing that you took away from the experience in high school that it was so key to uh, moving you into the ministry life you're now leading? Hmm. I would say coming to terms with who the real Jesus is and hmm. particularly, you know, because the, there was, all, you know, it, it wasn't that it was always this like preachy setting at regroup mm-hmm. or anything, but I think realizing what is it at the heart of the Christian faith is it's a mm-hmm. Lord who who suffers for people mm-hmm. on their behalf and who I, who kind of, you know, identifies with that. And at the same time, it you know, that it doesn't end there and that there is a hope. Mm-hmm. We've got the resurrection mm-hmm. and all that. But like, but realizing that that Jesus really does care about people who are mm. suffering and and that he's active in their life and for me that he was active in my own yeah and because i think what what can happen unfortunately i think too often in churches is it's like jesus can feel almost abstract or like you know we talk about him but it's not this realization that he's a real living person who mm. can be known and and so Coming to terms with the reality of Jesus was the big thing that made the difference. And I think part of what made that possible was people, I mean, like like the two of you who were consistently people right in front of me showing me the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. It's powerful. Um, it's encouraging to me to hear that that's the, me- the message you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we, we have our, uh, in, as ministry leaders, we have our, our own struggles. And so you, I always wonder how we're, how we're really coming off. I love what Jesus has done for me, and I, I hope to portray that to other people. But I often feel my own inadequacy and, and even a sense that I feel fake. So I, I hope I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> fake, um, but I sometimes feel like I am. And, and so I'm, I'm really glad that that's the message that that came through to you as a as a young person and and hangs still as the thing you want us to take away and i and i couldn't agree more that the thing that um that has caused my healing too is the fact that god uh that that god is with me and that he's the one who's who has suffered he's the one who gives hope he's the one who gives me identity and um and he's the one who's there with me to comfort me right now when I am in in pain or confusion or doubt. Mm-hmm. Wow. So 
Let's let's take the story forward. You've moved into a ministry position, and it it entails all sorts of changes to go from kind of uh, volunteer under a youth pastor. Kind of, you're like running the show. So tell us a little bit about the changes you've seen that have taken place in the past year, and and where you are now. Yeah, so it's I think it's especially kind of fun to do it in a new at a new church that I didn't previously attend because it's like, wow, I don't know anybody or you know, like starting out I didn't and it it took a while to get used to the fact that like I actually had a say in this church that I knew nothing about and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's was, a weird feeling. Yeah, and but I would say, I mean, what, yeah, it it was a big transition. And I think the, like, the the main thing was first realizing that people started, like, just kind of general people I interact with started, like, acting a little bit weirder once they learned that I worked at a church. Like, when Mm. I was an intern, it wasn't this way as much, but, like, it's funny, I, I was, like, seen I would, I've seen some relatives you know uh, socially distanced of course but like or friends or people like that and like sometimes there will be these these moments where they're like they'll like swear and then they're just like oh I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that around you I'm like I don't care like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, you're the oh, minister in the family yeah <laughs> and, and and so it's funny because it's like I think just kind of in a general sense, I think people, it, what what's interesting to me is you get a glimpse of various people's like perspectives of what a pastor is, um, including the, the kind of the negative associations of, oh, I'm, you know, like mm-hmm. it, this, where there's this hesitation for them to, to feel comfortable. But I think there's also, it's interesting because then there's like friends of mine who all of a sudden have like started viewing me as their spiritual director or something where it's like, Oh, I've got this Bible question. I've got this thing to work through, which that's, I'm happy to have those conversations, but there also are times where I'm like, I just was hoping to play super smash bros. Like, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's nice to have a break from church conversations as much as I love that and have a passion for it. Uh, So that's been, that's been, as far as relationships, but then as far mm-hmm. as the like kind of daily routines and stuff, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm finding how I'm realizing how it is so important to have a mm-hmm. personal uh, routine of like prayer and worship and scripture and also how much harder it is when it's when it's your job to know like where the overlap is of is this my personal faith versus is this Mm. for my work Mm. and especially where because i was just mentioning a moment ago how important i think it is to be you know acquainted with the reality of who jesus is and yeah i think it can be so convenient to lose sight of that when it's Mm. your job and to be always talking about God or always, you know, teaching the Bible to people to, and so I, yeah. And at the same time though, I'd say I've noticed that, you know, just how much I've needed to depend on 
my own prayers as well as the prayers of, uh, you know, asking other people to pray for me or sometimes, you know, give me some guidance because it can be so easy to to forget to care for myself, yeah. which I think is something that every pastor ever has said. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I'd say that those have been some of the big things I've noticed. You know, I like the fact that you are acknowledging just the reality of when you're in ministry, sometimes it's kind of strange because people in relationships that you've had previously seem to uh, shift in their relationship to you, and then you seem to shift in your relationship with God sometimes and trying to keep on track or just keep those things, you know, manage through those shifts is is really difficult and you have to set certain routines and boundaries. And one thing I thought you said was interesting was, you know, you were in a church, you were a high-level volunteer doing some really valuable work for a really long time, and then you jumped into a new church, and all of a sudden it's, I don't know anyone, and I'm actually running the show, I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm in charge, and uh, I'm just curious to hear how maybe older leaders in the ministry, the the pastors above you, the senior pastor and the staff, kind of did they come alongside you and encourage you? How did they do that? Or what's been encouraging thus far in your first year that's kind of helped you begin to work with ministry leaders who may have been there for longer, either to bolster up your ministry or to partner with them and, and become a greater part of the organization and the mission and vision that they have? Yeah, I would say the big thing has been, you know, I, I felt... Uh, in, in many ways, very inadequate, just like you said, because I didn't know anybody going into this. And so, uh, you know, learning to pay attention to the people who were offering to help me in any way, you know, if it was as simple as an encouraging word or somebody offering to do a task or somebody being like, hey, I want to introduce you to this person. I, I was talking with one of my college professors and he said, he's like, you know, when you transition into a new church, there's a lot of tasks that are going to feel urgent, but the most urgent thing is the congregation itself, getting to know the community there and the people. And he's like, you know, cause ministry is all about relationships. And so for me, getting connected with some of the other Adult leaders in the youth ministry has been really, really good, as well as, yeah, the senior pastor regularly, he and I will talk, I'll ask how things are going. And so I've I've felt like it's been very easy to transition into calling First Baptist a church home now, um, which I'm very thankful for, because I think for me, that was one of the most intimidating things, especially because I had gone to major church in the suburbs my entire life before this year. I mean, I had visited other churches from time to time, but um, I'd been consistently going for around 20 years or so. Yeah, I'd say just recognizing my own need to be part of the church community before I can have uh, too much leadership, because I think there is something to like relational power that, you know, like that comes from when people are familiar with you and they finally, you know, when they trust you, they'll trust your leadership more, but it can take, uh, you know, just being patient with that process that since I'm new, it'll take a while for everybody to get on board. Yeah. That's, uh, I think it's challenging 
to kind of find find your space in a brand new culture. Like you, you were a part of that major church in the suburbs for a bunch of years, and then and then this is a whole new space, new role, new life, new all sorts of things. One of the things you said earlier I, I found kind of striking is the feeling as a young pastor where like your whole life, your faith, it was personal. Uh-huh. And in this in this role of a pastor, a lot of times it, it becomes, well, it becomes your job. And we're often tempted to split and have like a professional faith and a personal faith. And I found it really challenging for a lot of years to integrate the two, to bring them together and make them one thing. Because you, you're you're asked to present something on you know on stage every week, mm-hmm. and you may or may not have actually had the time and space to like apply the things you're asking other people to apply. Mm-hmm. But you have to like the show must go on. You mm-hmm. must have that message in time for that Sunday or that Wednesday or whatever. What does it feel like for you to to keep those things integrated? To be to have integrity, or, or do you have ideas on how to keep that? That, that sense of integrity and uh, almost innocence I, it would be the word I, w- I want to go with. Mm-hmm. It's like, like keeping faith real. Well, as we've been talking with Nathan today, I hope the growth that he is experiencing has been encouraging to you. As he's jumping into that tough first year of ministry, he's learning a lot and experiencing a lot of new challenges along the way. And if you're a leader in ministry, whether you're in the first year or you're a veteran, you're probably identifying still with many of those feelings. Yeah. And if you're working with hurting people in your ministry, maybe you've had moments where you feel unprepared to deal with a complicated problem or even an emergency situation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's natural. It's normal. It's common because helping hurting people is complicated. And that's why Rally Point has a coaching program for leaders in that place. When you talk with a coach, you'll become equipped with the tools you need to feel prepared to handle those difficult moments. As a leader, you'll feel confident when a complicated situation comes up and your ministry will be able to grow as people can find healing in community. You can set up an initial conversation at no cost by visiting rallypointmin.com coaching. I know for me, when I was a young uh, pastor in, in ministry, there was, I felt, and I think maybe I, I added this to myself, but I felt a lot of pressure from the older staff at our church to perform a certain way or to achieve a certain standard or something like that. Um, and I'm not sure they were really sending that message. I think I might've been just making it up, but as a as a young leader in ministry, what kind of advice would you give to older leader in, leaders in ministry uh, as they try to come alongside you? Like, what would what would what would be helpful for you? What, what kind of advice could you give them? I would say, you know, to understand the uh, the confusing nature of what it means to, to follow Jesus and specifically to hold a ministry role as part of my generation Mm. when, Mm. when there's so many kind of cultural trends, both inside and outside of the church that make that, that can make that harder. And, and so I'd say understanding the generation is one thing. And also, this might be a surprising one, but I'd say 
one of the main things that I think hasn't been emphasized enough in churches in general, and I'm thankful the one I'm at right now does emphasize this, is that I don't think somebody needs to be married to be in a ministry role. Mm, But, you know, when I, when I was in the job application, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and all the Catholics say, amen. (laughs) But, uh, but I, because when I was in the job application process, Mm. I was struck by, you know, how many youth ministry roles and just other pastoral roles made mention of that. And, you know, I think that, I think churches struggle kind of in general with singleness right now. And, and I don't know that there's a lot, I think it becomes something that's even more, you know, confusing when you're in a leadership role of how to do that, especially when the culture is this expectation that, oh, pastors are married and they have this certain lifestyle that looks like this. And when you don't fit that mold, uh, you know, like I, cause I, you know, going to Wheaton where they kind of joke as, that it's like the ring by spring mm-hmm. yeah, type of yeah. school and that, you know, th- that's the joke. But at the same time, you know, I was in a degree program with lots of people going into youth ministry, the majority of whom are not married right now. And I think that it can be discouraging. I know a lot of people who uh, actually gave up their job search and they, for a church role and specifically have found things outside of church work because they got so discouraged mm. from how many churches were asking for that yeah. to be a requirement. So I feel very grateful and fortunate that that, that wasn't the case with First Baptist. Mm. But I, I tend to think that there's a lot of people who are eager to, to use their gifts and uh, – haven't really been given that opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. one of the, it sounds like there are two things you'd encourage older ministry leaders or more experienced ministry leaders to think about. One one was generational, like this current generation. You know, we, we talk a lot about the, the millennials. There's a lot of millennial talk and how, you know, I don't know, we get a bad rap. My, my generation is the millennial generation, so we get a bad <laughs> rap. But the next generation, the iGen or Gen Z, which is uh, what, what you are, Nathan, is like it, you grew up with the Internet. Like you've always had the Internet. You've always had access to all of this wild amount of information. Mm. And older generations still were like struggling with, str- struggling with how to use an iPhone or struggling with this or that. And like in your generation, you're, you're seeing literally 10 or 15 times the amount of information daily that yeah. other generations are still currently seeing um, and, and processing all that. And then the other piece is, is an openness to being single uh, to, yeah. to or, or even just to the idea that not everybody's lifestyle is going to fit a certain mold mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make them the wrong fit for ministry. It doesn't make them lesser. It, it makes them different from what we are accustomed to or a tra- like a traditional old model. Mm. So what you're really saying to people like me and, and, and other older ministry leaders is keep your minds open and listen and see the, see the potential, see the power of the current generation as it is. And don't, don't wish that you fit into our mold 
or, or what mm-hmm. we were used to uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, and I would say kind of, kind of with that, that I really don't think the, like specifically, you know, we were talking about singleness and I don't think that is something that's unique to Gen Z either. And, you know, like it's, I, like, I think that is something that would ultimately just be healthy for churches in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause you know, even if somebody's married, you know, one day a spouse is going to die and they'll be single or, you know, yeah. there's, you know, we live in a time when divorce is a very prominent reality mm-hmm. or where, you know, there's so many varieties of what it is. And, you know, I kind of, I remember laughing when I was looking at different, you know, job openings at this, this one church in particular made this comment on their job posting <laughs> that uh, they would refuse to have leadership offered from somebody who wasn't married. Oh, and I found myself going, I wonder if this church actually follows Jesus then. Oh, <laughs> because, you know, uh, like, that's so funny. But, I, but it was, it was so weird. Cause I don't know where that mindset was mm. coming from. Yeah. Cause it's, you yeah. know, like I said, like Jesus himself, mm modeled a, a, something that was countercultural when it came to that stuff in his own day. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's not to say that it should be the replacement thing as much as it should be an option, a legitimate option that's always available. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny to hear you mention that. I remember applying for some jobs and getting two questionnaires, one, one about me and, and my ministry and one about my wife and her ministry. And I, I had to write down in the first question, I had to write down, um, I'm not married, but you know, I, I would yeah. hope that the woman I do get married to would want to do ministry with me. And then I just sent it back. <laughs> I did. I did not get that job. Wow. Uh, well, so it's just and, funny and that's painful because what you guys are talking about creates an outsider-ness. Older ministry leaders are, are, can be really insensitive to, and, and I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll speak for, a little bit for that idea. It's like it's born out of fear. Like there's so many stories in churches of people with moral failings. And yeah. so mm-hmm. people from those churches are trying to protect yeah. their church from some kind of from some kind of sin issue that could disrupt or destroy mm-hmm. their church. But what they're doing in the process of trying to protect one thing is they're really doing damage to something else. And they're not trusting that God can work through you and that we can learn to trust and step out in faith that uh, that you have lots to contribute to the kingdom. And it's not just like being a husband is not the thing that you are called to to contribute to the kingdom, but kind of creating this space where, you know, different people offer different perspectives and those are valuable. And, you know, what, what the Bible talks about is, you know, there's one God for all, all of us. And, and so mm-hmm. kind of creating an open space where people from, from different places can, can do ministry together is a really important thing for ministry leaders to, to think about, to be open to. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nathan, based on some of the things that, that you're talking about, as you launch into this ministry year, this, this kind of first year stuff, what are the things mm-hmm. that you want you want your volunteers and and the people that you're working with to internalize what do you what do you what messages do you want people to uh, to take away from from your first year mm-hmm. in ministry 
I mean, you know, I, I would say just that there's a lot of things involved in ministry that are confusing, you know, dynamics of, you know, those, those times where you go, wow, I'm trying to help other people find, you know, what's God doing in their life? And I'm confused about the answer to that question of my own or like, you know, like I'm whatever or variations of that, you know, and I would just say the big thing that has helped me. And I think this is ultimately what I was supposed to arrive at is really understanding what faith is, that it's, it's not about certainty, but that you can, it's, it's trusting that the Holy Spirit's leading you, even especially during those times when you're confused what's what the next step is or how to, you know, somebody will say something. You're like, how do I respond with the, uh, the right tone, with the right some of those situations that are just a little bit more challenging? I think just, uh, you know, believing what we're told in the Bible about the leadership of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. as, you know, as as not just some sort of like empty promise, but as a lived reality and, and, and coming right off of that, not just as a lived reality for an individual, but in the context also of a church community. And so making sure that you're not trying to be the person getting all the attention that you're not trying to do it alone, but that you recognize that the spirit is leading you and the spirit is leading you, particularly in the context of the church that you're in. That's, that's, I think really valuable. The lived reality that God is at work in, in us. What is one way that you think uh, the church fails at doing that? And one thing you found successful in your first year at doing that? I would say, a, a way that this is, I suppose, just neglected or overlooked is by by making faith a little bit too individualistic. You know, because I I think when I you know when I read the New Testament, I see so much about the importance of community, uh, whether it's you know in the process of making decisions, whether it's in growing together, whether even in the like messy thing, you know, I, I was just reading acts a few weeks ago and just realizing like how many times they argued and disagreed yeah. and stuff like that. And then how almost always in the book of acts, it's followed by this comment, like, but the spirit did this or, you know, like, right. and so I would say the the thing the church has overlooked has been, I think the, com- the, the centrality of community mm-hmm. kind of in God's vision of what the church is. Yeah. And, and then as far as what has helped me is going directly off of that would be finding community, you know, among people that, you know, like I think for me, I, it's like I started going to the college ministry at First Baptist, even though I work there, because it's this place where I can be with peers, but I don't have to lead anything mm-hmm. and I don't have mm-hmm. to yeah, plan, you know, I don't have to plan anything. And it's a place where more than that, like I'm not, I, I'm, I'm really thankful to have a space where, where nobody's like, I guess, like putting me on a pedestal, but where it's like, I can genuinely find community, you know, I can laugh with people, talk about you know, TV shows or, you know, books or whatever, but then at the same time, get into those conversations about, okay, how am I doing as a Christian 
And while it's not completely separate from my job, it is it, it is in the sense that it's it's not me on the clock. And I think that's a huge thing that has been helpful because I I can't imagine trying to lead other people without having community somewhere. Absolutely. Well, yeah, Nathan, that's so valuable. And I think the thing that keeps coming up in all your answers, which I love, are these words, you know, genuine, authentic, you know, having this lived in reality of Jesus is real and how that transforms us and how we can find community with each other and, and be um, just open and vulnerable. And we really appreciate that about you, just the fact that you've always been, um, you know, open vulnerable, willing to walk through pain with people and just desiring to show people the real Jesus. So thank you so much for being on the show. And we're, we're so, so glad that you could join us today. Yeah, thank you. It was great to be here. No, I really enjoyed having Nathan on our show today. And I'm walking away when my head is spinning a little bit with thoughts. Uh, I felt really challenged as an experienced ministry leader to be more thoughtful on how I can care for and encourage the younger leaders that I uh, have the privilege of influencing, especially when it comes to their their value uh, when they're not the same as me, um, to encourage them and to say, like, you're really important and what you bring to the table is really important. So I really appreciated uh, Nathan challenging, having the courage to challenge that idea today. Yeah. I think the thing I most appreciate is, and he said it so early in the interview, but I felt it just the entire time he was talking, was the idea of compassion and growing in compassion for people. And specifically the idea that, you know, we hope that people see Jesus in the way that we love them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in ministry, we just get bogged down because there's so many tasks and there's so much structure and there's so much of this, um, you know, how to be like 10 ways to be a successful leader, things you need to implement. And those are, those are very important to running a ministry. But I like the fact that his focus is how do I continue to grow in compassion so that people can see the real Jesus. So one of the things Nathan talked about today is how challenging building community in your first year can be. And if that's something that you or someone you know is struggling with, we have a resource for you. It's a simple worksheet that talks about building that community in your first year and provides some questions to help you take the next step. Yeah, we're really excited about this guide. So if you would like to go and get that guide, we'd encourage you to go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and, and subscribe with your email. There you'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, please write or review this podcast. When you do that, you can help us reach other leaders so that they can be empowered with tools and experience that can help them support others. And also, we really want to hear from you. We want to engage with you. So we'd love to hear how this episode helps you or what challenges you are facing that we could cover. So uh, we'd love it if you'd send us an email to hello at rallypointmen.com. Thank you so much for listening.